Welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We'll have more information at the end of the podcast, but for now, please enjoy this week's teaching. So reading from Ezekiel uh, chapter 34, uh, beginning with verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will sort them out. As shepherds sort out their flocks when they are among scattered sheep, so I will sort out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the water courses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. And there they will lie down in good grazing land, and they will feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek out the lost, and I will bring back the strays, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. I will save my flock, and they shall no no longer be ravaged. And I will judge between sheep and sheep, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my shepherd, or servant, David, shall be prince amongst them. I, the Lord, have spoken the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jim. Do you guys ever hear the scripture and think, I wonder where the preacher's going to go with this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, good morning again. Today marks the end of our liturgical year, and next Sunday begins Advent, and our Advent theme is, How Does a Weary World Rejoice? As an aside, um, we have Advent packets. If you would like to take a a packet of resources for Advent, you did not need to sign up ahead of time this year, so you can feel free to just grab one. Um, They're on the welcome table, and they are a lovely shade of blue. So grab one, and hopefully those resources will help you as we enter into Advent next week. But today, today is the close of our season, and it is considered um, Reign of Christ Sunday or Christ the King Sunday. Um, And it was first added to the the liturgical calendar um, in the 1920s as a response to this rise of ultra-nationalism that was taking place following World War I. But kingship and sovereign rulers, it's not really something that's super easy for those of us in a modern Western uh, democracy can connect to unless it's maybe watching royal weddings or if you're really into the crown. Um, <laughs> I guess there's a crown fan right there. Um, talk to me later. Okay, talk, 
<laughs> Will's available. But at this close of ordinary time, we, met, we mark the end of this year by recognizing God's reign in our world. The kingdom of the now and not yet and the gift of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And then next week we turn the page, telling the story again of a people waiting and hoping for God's promises to be fulfilled. And I can feel already in my body that desire to turn the page into the beginning of Advent. And I hope you'll join us for that. But let's take a moment to kind of breathe deeply. You can actually move your body, move your shoulders, relax them, settle yourself into a comfortable posture, and pray with me. God, you shepherd us towards pastures of compassion. Lead us to listen well to your word, to the voices of one another, to the movement of your spirit. Rest with us, O oh God. Refresh us. Restore us. Gather us in and call us your own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to start with an all play this morning, and I know we're, we're small in numbers, so I'm going to hopefully invite some of you to be hearty with your, with your voices. But um, how do you imagine God? Or put another way, yeah, just a real tiny question, right? How do you imagine God? <laughs> no pressure. Um, or more specifically, what images or attributes of God feel most true or helpful for you at this point in your faith journey? Bob. What? I, okay. Hmm. Hmm. Thanks, Bob. I won't do your beautiful words justice, but to share with those online. Um, Bob has come in this, in, in this point, point in his spiritual journey to, to know that God is, capital I, is, and God is love. Love is God for him. Cassandra. Cassandra said she's been sitting with this image of a, from a song we sing called Mother Bird, Mother Bear. Yeah. Who else? Friend? Mm. Elizabeth said she sees hands when she prays, like hugging, holding, the presence of hands. Joan, did you have one? A quiet whisper. Hmm. Jim's image um, of God is a constant presence. That um, God would go before, behind, above, below, around, and be a constant guide. Mm-hmm. John said that um, as part of that for him, an important piece is that in God, no one is left out. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. That includes all of creation as well, yeah.
Well, today we're talking a bit about the image of God as a shepherd, which is a common imagery used in scripture and that many of us have heard from um, our youngest ages, right? Um, And today we're in the book of Ezekiel, which is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. So we're going to do a little bit of a Ezekiel origin story, Ezekiel the person, Um, So he was educated to become a priest. And before he could start performing his priestly duties at the temple, so he finishes seminary, right? And he gets ready and he's going to go and it's going to be like his first time there. But before he could do that, he's taken captive. During the first siege of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, now I'm thinking of veggie tales, so like I'll need to get back on track here, but Nebuchadnezzar... He was exiled to this small village, and when he was 30 years old, so take note, those of you who are 30 or approaching closely, I see Cassandra's face, he receives this powerful vision, and he receives this powerful call to be a prophet. But this is also a very chaotic time in his world. Jerusalem falls to Babylonian forces. The Davidic king no longer sits enthroned in Jerusalem. The holy city's destroyed and the temple's destroyed. So literally everything that he knows and that his community knows is in turmoil. And the record of Ezekiel's, Ezekiel's words that we have here today, they take place before the rebuilding of Jerusalem. So it's so turbulent. And this overall theological message of his prophecies, they address these changing political landscapes taking place during this time of great upheaval. And so this prophetic book is filled with these these deep symbolic visions and extreme actions from this man who feels this calling by God, and he has a profound spiritual vision, and then the book is trying to struggle to address the terrible catastrophe of destruction from all they know. And so it's a really heavy burden on the people of Ezekiel's time. So the small, he's in the small village, the people that he is speaking to, they are exiled people. They've seen death, they've seen cultural destruction, they've had the stress of dislocation, being removed from their homes. Even Ezekiel in the book comes close to breaking under the strain of what is required from him. He suffers powerful cognitive disruption from his visions. When we haven't experienced firsthand the devastation of political and military upheaval or exile or servitude or loss of life and land and family, it can be difficult to comprehend just how life-altering that can be for someone such as Ezekiel. Just as it's difficult for us to imagine what it's like for people living in Gaza, in the Ukraine, in Myanmar, and the Sudan, in the midst of turmoil and uncertainty and violence. Many times the words and the actions of the Hebrew prophets, man, they feel really strange and they're full of so much harsh condemnation. So as a modern reader, I can't help but sometimes cringe or just think, I I don't know what to do with that. Because they are hoping that God will smite their enemies because they have labored for so long. And yet in the midst of systemic collapse and exile, there's also these passioned pleas and hope-filled responses that sometimes make some sense. It's hard. It's hard with the Old Testament. I feel deeply troubled as a 
just a human person when encountering violence, especially in the Old Testament, and it's been a long journey to figure out what does that mean to talk about a loving God who also is portrayed in these books as being more violent than I would, than I would want. And in fact, um, you know, I hold that intention today as we look at this book of Ezekiel, and these words are words of promise and judgment. And honestly, when I first put the, the reading into the lectionary this week, I took off the whole bottom section. I was like, let's only talk about the part where it's like really sweet and restful. Let's leave off the part about what God does to the fat, strong sheep. And then I thought, well, maybe there's a word in there for us today as well. Maybe we could sit with that tension and maybe we can just explore it together. Our passage today centers on these themes of God as our shepherd king, on the use and misuse of power, and the interconnectedness of justice and care. So shepherd is one of these images that resonate um, or that, um, that we've had as part of our lexicon for, for many of us, most of our spiritual lives. Similar to our images of love and creator and redeemer. And shepherding has been a metaphor for religious leadership throughout scripture. So Rachel, Zipporah, David, the judges, the prophets, they're all referred to in scripture as shepherd. And a shepherd is more than a tender nurturer. Sometimes um, in ancient Israel and in Near Eastern um, communities, shepherds would, would fight against predatory animals and human predators in defense of their flocks. So shepherds were seen as keepers because they kept watch. They were seen as searchers for they would look for good pasture. They would look over their flock to see which was injured. They would search for those who were lost. And they were considered to be accountants because they were held accountable for the nourishment of the sheep. They would be accountable to the fact that they had all their sheep in their flock and they would be answerable for the resources of the land they relied on. And what we don't read in the first part of this chapter is that um, God, through Ezekiel, is accusing the shepherds of, at the time of looking after themselves and ignoring the needs of the people. And in that word of judgment, God says, well, it's time for me to step in. Like, clearly this is not working. I'm going to step in and I'm going to serve as the true shepherd of Israel. So God takes the initiative and moves with compassion towards the scattered, the suffering, the humiliated. And as the shepherd, God moves to seek out the exiles, to feed and to nurture and to heal them. And God provides justice for them by confronting those who have failed them. What comfort that would be if you were exiled, if you are the beaten down, if you are the fearful and the grieved. God notices the victims. God identifies with the suffering. God works to restore the brokenhearted. And if you have been hurt by, cast out, or guilt-tripped by the church, by the failings of folks in positions of power, by systems and institutions that prevent you from flourishing, then these words might bring comfort as God notices and acts, and God holds accountable those who have caused the hurt. In our passage today, God judges the sheep who had power as well and used it poorly. 
for their own advantage and not for the well-being of others. So our second all play, how do we see the misuse of power taking place in our own society and institutions today? Where might we be noticing the misuse of power without getting too like name and names on? <laughs> Open a can of worms for you. But where do we see misuses of power? Yeah. Anywhere there's power. Yeah. Yeah, Phil. You guys, it's so creaky right here. I'm sorry whenever I step back. It's just, just an odd noise. Yeah, anywhere there's power, yeah. Where else do we see the misuse of power taking place? Yeah, through the use of money as power in campaigning and in politics today. Mm. John said, regardless of where people fall in the political spectrum, that it seems like folks seem more interested in obtaining and maintaining power than in using it to care for others or the larger community as a whole. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elizabeth said that it, it feels more popular now to simply just criticize people that you disagree with instead of trying to work towards um, solutions or something that could change or better situations. Yeah, it's just like throwing rocks, right? It feels like throwing rocks. Mm. Jerry says that power is often used um, to create fear among people, so then when we're afraid, we make decisions out of fear instead of out of trust and instead of out of love and care. Yeah. Mm. Fear as a tool to gain more power. Mm-hmm. Well, the power that God exhibits in these verses is that of nurture and care. It's of provision and safety and rescuing the vulnerable and the oppressed and causing justice to prevail in the land. All so the people can flourish. It's not power that's punitive or destructive, but it's focused on the good of all and that means taking care of those who are marginalized and oppressed. When power is exploited or serves only a few, it damages the flock. It scatters it, leaving individual sheep as vulnerable prey. How many times do we read in Scripture that God is seeking out the lost, the heartbroken, the powerless? And God visits flocks as its shepherd and takes stock of the damage after it's been scattered, right? And something that felt so interesting this week is even the idea of taking stock, like looking over the flock is an act of judgment. It's not necessarily judgment like, you're in and you're out, everything is severed, but it's a judgment of like, where do I see need? Where am I taking an assessment? And so what ensues is a rescue operation as God seeks out the sheep from all the places they've been scattered, and God is binding up the wounds, but also correcting the conditions that have created the injuries in the first place. 
God says, the fat and the strong I will destroy. Those who use their power to harm or abuse or separate and humiliate, I'm going to work to humble those forces, those people. Because God is for the flourishing of humanity, of creation, and God is for you. An interesting question arose this week. I still kind of keep sitting with, but which sheep are we? Of course, we want to locate ourselves and the story in the most flattering light. I mean, how many times do we read any of Jesus' parables and we're like, well, I'm not the bad guy in the story, right? But there are times when we miss the mark too. We don't always align ourselves with the vulnerable. That is hard and tricky and causes discomfort. Sometimes we use our power, even our limited power, to serve what we want at the expense of others. And we end up being held accountable for that. And that's a difficult lesson, right? Nobody likes to be humbled. Nobody likes to have that aha moment where you're like, oh, I think I was doing the thing there that wasn't helpful or good. But being held accountable doesn't mean that there's a severing of relationship. It doesn't mean that God is casting us out of God's presence. When God feeds them with justice, as the text says, perhaps... It is, as Marianne McKibben Dana writes, a meal, this could be a meal which satisfies a hunger they didn't know they had. A meal unlike they had ever had. It may have been bittersweet, but it also may have been the thing that would redeem them and us. Because there's always still room for transformation, for repairing the broken places, to name our own responsibilities in action and omission, and to humbly, humbly seek restoration, and new beginnings. Sometimes it takes that disruption to make us ready for newness. So if we ask ourselves the question, which sheep are we, know that God's mercy can help us start afresh to hold whatever power we possess in the collective flourishing of all of creation. Bruce Epperly writes, though we are tempted to create God in our own image, We need to take seriously the images of of loving power, power that heals, and in our understanding of God and human agency, it is power that enlivens us. Indeed, our images of God may actually be a matter of life and death, of affirmation and exclusion and love and hate. Because God's power, as much as some people may want to say it is domineering, God's power is aimed at wholeness and healing, not coercion and domination. God rules by wisdom and love, gaining our worship by God's character, not by destructive threat. This is the point of the reign of Christ. Because in the person of Jesus, we see the embodiment of the shepherd king, laying down power to become human, rejecting the temptation to take up the mantle of power again, even to the point of suffering, even to the point of death as he cares for the sheep. Just as God is envisioned as our shepherd king in Ezekiel's words, Jesus becomes that imagery for us in the New Testament. And as he encircles creation in loving arms, he also opposes the destructive systems that bind us and break us. God breaks into our world in the person of Jesus, names that we are struggling and that we need help, and continues again and again 
as the Holy Spirit works within us to both shepherd and to be the sheep who are looking for the flourishing of all creation. Because, friends, we are invited into that work. We are invited into the work of caring for one another. We are invited into the work of writing systems of oppression and calling to account those who wield power for self-interest. And lest we think this is only about large-scale political systems, of which it is so easy to feel too small to even do the smallest of corrective actions, know that it is never God's will that we would injure each other, that we would jockey for advantage, or that we would exploit resources that should be for all. And when we refuse to act in those ways, when we make small choices towards the betterment of all of us, when we refuse to use theology to gatekeep the kingdom of God, we are doing the work of justice and care as our shepherd king models for us. God is for you. God is for us. I want to invite you to receive a blessing this morning from our scripture passage. So I'm going to again invite you to close your eyes if they weren't already because it's okay to take a little sleep during... Close your eyes and receive these words, allowing them to wash over you, to root you in God's story in a new way. Imagine these words to be spoken over you in whatever God's voice sounds like to you. God says, I will rescue you from the places you've been scattered, and I, the Lord, will bind up your wounds I will gather you in and bring you to a place of safety. I will feed you and nourish you. I will give you rest. I love you. Friends, this is how the liturgical year ends, with the shepherd gathering the flock, scattered, hungry, lost. The sheep are gathered again. They are fed and they are rested by the God who is their shepherd. May we remember that God's power is marked by love, by restoration, and by healing. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis Church Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. Creating opportunities for our community to respond from wherever they are in their faith formation. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary and a church calendar because they anchor us in something which can hold us no matter what life throws our way. Our goal is to become ordinary apprentices of Jesus who are learning to love God, ourselves, and others wholeheartedly. If you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit genesiscove.org.